Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. Micron Technology, do you own it or looking to buy it? Looking to buy it. Looks like the sector is down today, so just thinking about, you know, potentially buying the dip. And provides unbiased answers. Historically, it's a solid business, but it's all over the map. Invest Talk, over 30 million downloads and counting. I was wondering what the best choices are, I guess, for me in my young position. Is it ETF? Is it just individual stock? Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-SHARK. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our March 12th, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. Appreciate you all tuning in for this hour. I'm going to do my best to make it instructive and informative for you, just like we try to do each and every day. And on this program today, I'm going to do my best to operate with philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. That is how we how we run everything in the show. And whether we're talking about market reports, stock commentary, process explanations, whatever it is, we present it all without bias, simply just giving you the facts as we see them. Now, Steve Peasley is usually here on Fridays, but he is taking the day off, going to visit some family. I'm Justin Klein. Of course, we encourage you to contact us with your finance and investment questions. And when you do that, you get to shape the show to your liking. And that means you can call right now and join us live on our live stream program, 4 to 5 Pacific Time, or leave a question on our Invest Talk voice bank, and we will answer it on a future show. Either way, the number never changes, 888 chart So let's get right to our first caller question now. Hi, Stephen Justin. I had a question regarding investment properties. I'm young. I'm a homeowner. Is there any reason why it wouldn't make sense to invest in a second property as a rental property if I can afford a down payment? Is there anything I need to be aware of financially? Would it not make sense for any reason? Thank you. Well, absolutely. Any investment has cons. It's pros and cons. Pros and cons. And you have to weigh both. Investing in real estate is very different than investing in, say, the stock market. A. You are not diversified. You have one property. Now you could build them over time and diversify, and and you probably you you might do that. But know that you have high single risk, right? Whether that's a fire, a flood, uh, you could have a renter that's a squatter that doesn't pay rent for six months. There's there's a lot of things that could happen, right? Badly with with a single piece of property. So so know that, and then. It's being a landlord, right? Are you managing, uh, having a property manager manage that property for you, or are you going to do it yourself? Are you going to worry about answering calls from your tenant at all hours of the night, right? If a water pipe breaks, are you going to be the one responding? You know, so, you know, when you're investing in, say, a bond or a stock, guess what? The CEO is not calling you when there's a problem. So understand that. And then 
Where are you investing? You, it sounds like I think you said you were in California. I wasn't sure, but what is the cap rate? The you know here in California, three four percent if you're lucky, which to me in the investment market is just way too low. You need something six seven percent, ideally above your cost of capital, so your rate that you're borrowing to invest in that property as well, and then setting money aside for potential incidentals. A lot of people look at that cash flow of just that monthly, but there are longer term factors. Spending $5,000 to put in a new AC, for example. So you have to weigh all of those. And then your opportunity cost, the money that goes into that property, the down payment, etc. Could you invest it, making more money elsewhere? A lot of people are going to tout the leverage that you can get, and that certainly is helpful. But that's only one part of the equation. So invest in properties, not a bad thing for anybody to look at and consider, but you have to weigh those pros and cons. Hopefully I gave you a good overview of that. I probably missed a few pros and cons and each individual property itself has its own pros and cons to look at. So having an agent or having somebody that understands that market, that neighborhood, etc., will be important as well. Now, why are we here today? Well, and why am I doing this podcast? Well, I know you need and want strategies to help deal with this current market environment, this changing market environment. And hopefully, I've helped you stay ahead of the game over the past handful of months and years. And that's what I'm here to do as well today, which is take your questions and answer them. And our Invest Talk listener line is open at 888 chart Now, it is Friday, and I'm filling in for Steve. So as usual, I will share brief highlights of the newest KPP Premium Newsletter. But first, let's get to how the market did today. You had a very, very modest update in the S&P, up four points. But the NASDAQ, once again, down 78 points. Not a big down day, about two-thirds of 1%. But just shows you the change of market environment that we're in. The NASDAQ closed below its 50-day moving average. The S&P closed at an all-time high. Why? Because financials closed at a 52-week high. Industrials, materials, energy, all of these sectors are bringing the market up. Now, the weakness in tech, although the S&P is very tech-heavy, it's not quite weak enough to counter that strength in those previous sectors I just talked about. Right, the likes of Facebook were down today. Netflix, down today. Amazon, down today. Apple, down today. All of these names are kind of overcrowded. And the money is flowing out. Right? The ARK ETF, ARKK. All of those ETFs, although they had a bounce this week into some resistance and closed the week relatively weak. And you have the 10-year. The 10-year heading new highs up almost 11 basis points today on this breakout in inflation. We are now, if you look at CPI, no, sorry, not CPI, PPI, Producer Price Index, whether that's the core PPI or just the raw PPI, we're at higher levels of inflation than we were pre-pandemic. So the shutdown was a big, 
deflationary force, and now you're starting to see inflation just ratchet higher with the weaker dollar, money printing, money going into the hands of individuals, repairing balance sheets, giving people money to spend, constrained supply of products and, and, and raw materials, all that is driving inflation higher. And we have not even hit the months where the comps are going to get a lot easier for inflation, right? March, April, May last year, shut down, right? Almost the global economy was shut down. Giant deflationary force. Well, what happened? Well, what's going to happen when you start to comp year over year those prices from the deflationary period? Well, inflation is going to look really, really hot over the next three months. It's going to be a bit of an anomaly, but you're going to see some major headlines. You know, three, four, five percent. Don't be shocked by that. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we are already through the second trading week of March. With all the changes we see happening in the market, it's important to remember that during these times, the task of building your personal financial freedom must continue. You can't afford to take your eye off the ball. You need to be positioned accordingly. So your goal will require information and effective strategies, and we should talk about whatever is on your mind. So give us a call at 888-99-CHART. For investors, the goal of achieving financial freedom requires unbiased information, strategic planning, and determination. Congratulations, you've found the podcast that is dedicated to helping you succeed. Invest Talk. Steve and Justin welcome your questions anytime on the Invest Talk listener line 888 99CHART. Now, my focus point today concerns the question, has COVID permanently changed how companies think of office space? Now, one year on from the pandemic, you know, businesses are rethinking how they look at office space. And a good example of that in this article is REI. In 2016, they, had, they bought and they announced the plans to open a big sprawling campus for their workers where they can, you know, it's going to be eight acres and really bring all of their workers together to foster creativity, etc. But after a year of working from home, they've sold the building. So before they even opened it, which is pretty crazy. So they're pivoting to more satellite offices. And I think this is going to be common. So while I think the death of commercial real estate is a bit overstated, I still think there's going to be a place for commercial real estate in the grand scheme of things. But the bigger question is how long will it take to get back, right? Because you don't just have an office anymore to have an office. It needs a more compelling purpose, right? Maybe a hub for some sort of collaboration that you can't do via Zoom. Right, place to retain and train workers, possibly. That's a big reason. Now, tech companies where leaders are uh, signing and renewing office leases last year accounted for 24% of leasing activity by square footage. Amazon, Facebook, Apple, Google, and all, all added office space in New York City 
during 2020, during the pandemic. So I think it's a little overdone that I don't think Office Space is dead. It's just going to change. It's going to need a more compelling reason. And I think the satellite office is going to be important because no longer are do you have to every single day work remotely, but maybe have the option to go into the office. That's what we do at KPP. You know, some days I work out of my home office. Some days I go into our, our office in Irvine. Uh, and it, so some ways I'm produ more productive in, in areas on different days. Some days I can focus on more internal things when we sit down and talk with each other about problems that we need to solve, either on the investment side, account side, regulatory side, etc. That's a lot easier and better when you're in person. But hey, if I'm talking to a client, having a Zoom meeting or a, a video conference with a client, do I really need to be in the office? Not really. Doesn't matter where I'm at. So. There's still a place for in-office, but it's going to be a long slog before we get to pre-pandemic levels, if ever. Let's go to Carl in Oceanside. He's looking at NG, which is not Nova Gold Resources, gold miner. Do you own it or are you looking to buy it? I'm planning to buy it, Nova Gold, NG. Okay. Why do you plan to buy it? Why with all that money creation, maybe maybe we find some value in gold. Okay, but why this one in particular? I don't disagree with you, but Nova Gold is a very small gold miner in relation to $2.8 billion market cap, and they've lost money every single year for the last decade. Why this one versus other ones? It was in Zach's report. Okay. <laughs> but what what was what is Zach saying about it that made it so compelling oh, versus uh, on, a lot of the, the other chart, gold miners? Uh, on the technical on the chart, it looks like uh, a, a hammer uh, chart, so it might go up again. Sure, yeah, I, I don't disagree that the chart is looking pretty solid, but so are a lot of other gold miners. So I just don't see this as being a very attractive name. I want a company that is in this environment with gold, although it's pulled back some, it, I want one that's producing a lot of cash flow, a lot of earnings. This company just isn't. This is, this is, doesn't have any revenue, right? So this is just simply one of the junior miners that is exploring but doesn't really have much there, uh, at least yet. It's in, still in development stage. So it's high risk. If you're looking for a high risk gold play, sure. But I think there's enough risk in that market and I would rather own a bigger, more profitable name. Give me a call, 888-99-CHART. Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast it's a fast-paced learning podcast for the average investor. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Look for Rapid Fire Hour.
Let's go talk with Lynn in Pleasanton. She's looking at Micron Technology. Do you own it or looking to buy it? Looking to buy it. Okay. And do you have a price that you're looking to buy it at? Do you have a price target on it? Well, it looks like the sector is down today. So just thinking about, you know, potentially buying the dip. Um, I know they have like an earnings call coming up and just kind of wondering if it seemed like it was a good play. Well, this is in the heart of the tech kind of unwind said this before, I said this in my video, uh, market analysis video on YouTube, that the semiconductor sector is looking relatively weak and Micron is in that space, right, in, in the data storage. Now, it doesn't really have an economic moat in my book. It, it makes flash memory, hard drives, DRAM, etc. And certainly that's been in high demand over the past year or so because so many people are buying laptops and new equipment to work at home, etc., I think that tailwind is certainly behind them. And so the comps are going to, go, going to get a lot tougher. And this is a type of business that's all over the map when it comes to profitability. 2014, they made $3.13. 2016, they made $0.26. Then 2018, they made $11.95. 2020, they only made two eighty-three and expected to make $4.73 this year, eight ninety-four next year. So you see how they're, they're a price taker. Whatever the, whatever the prevailing price in the market is for chips or, or, or memory, they're going to have to take it. And so historically, it's a solid business, but it's all over the map once again. Now, I like that they don't have a lot of debt, so that's a positive. But technically, it looks like it's making what is called a bear flag and getting ready to break down. So I would worry about that. You know, our value on this is, frankly, much lower around $60 a share. Now it's at 87. So I think you're late to the game. Uh, maybe later this year when the pessimism kind of peters out in the tech space, in the semiconductor space, sure. It's an okay company. It's, it's not the best to me in the world uh, when it comes to semiconductors. I would be looking elsewhere. Um, so I'm going to give it a pass in general on Micron. Thanks for the call, Lynn. Now, on Fridays, we generally make time to fit in a quick rundown of key benchmark numbers. Now, the two-year Treasury yield was at 0.151%, just slightly up from, from last week. Now, remember, the Fed keeps pretty tight control on the short end of the curve. It's really where they focus their efforts because that is where banks, that's their cost of capital on the short end, right? lending or, or having their deposit base and paying out whatever yield that is. The long end is typically more market driven, typically. Doesn't mean the Fed can't step in, doesn't mean the Fed isn't stepping in to help quell any movements in that market. But this week it didn't work. Like I said, at the top of the show, the 10-year closed at 1.635 today. That's up from 1.557 a week ago. In two weeks, it was 1.4%. So you're starting to see another acceleration to the upside for interest rates. Now, gold is at 17.32 per ounce. I said about the 16.80 mark was very, very strong support. 
And we held it last week, and we held it again this week. 1732, last week was at 1711. So that's a positive sign. You're starting to see the miners break out. Silver also modestly up on the week, 2596 up from 2520 last week. Oil, kind of a flat week. There's a lot going on with, with OPEC plus and trying to jawbone prices higher. The natural, the national average for gasoline was at $2.83, a bit up from last week at $2.75. Here in California, $3.80. A lot of that has to do with our taxes here. For comparison, West Virginia, West Virginia, average price is only $2.79 at the pump. Now let's squeeze in one more caller question now from 88899. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Nathan in Massachusetts. Was just wondering what you thought of um, IEC Electric. Ticker symbol is IEC. Thank you very much. All right, looking at IEC Electronics. This is a contract manufacturer of printed circuit boards and wire and cable harness assemblies for electronic OEMs. Very small, $137 million market cap. And that means that there's going to be above average volatility. Now, if you look at the chart, however, this is in a strong uptrend. It has pulled back pretty dramatically, and it's pulled out to some pretty good support around the 100-day and starting to show some strength. And it's pulled down, per, pulled back pretty dramatically, down 27.6% off its 52-week high to 13.01. And I, I really like the chart. Fundamentals, but so some earn 89 cents next year, only $13 stock. Seems relatively uh, inexpensive in my book. Let me go look at some cash flows here. It's profitability of turn equity, 19%. I like that. It, let me look at its debt. Doesn't really have much debt. Its business has kind of been all over the place. Uh, but profitability of the last five years has been very strong. So I'm going to give this a thumbs up. I like it. But remember, it's a small company, so expect a lot of volatility. Now, on the next Invest Talk, this story. Has the housing market reached its tipping point? That story on Monday. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888 chart Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture. I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value. So your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. 
For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com slash today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. The markets react to uncertainty. Are you prepared? Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Your financial future depends on the answers to those questions. Justin Klein is here now and ready to talk with you. Call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and InvestTalk. Thank you guys for taking my call. I just wanted to inquire about a market condition question that I've got. So we all know that with the stimulus and all the hype with Wall Street bets and everything else going on, Robin Hood's in the headlines every day, a lot of people are uh, getting into investing this year, probably, I don't have any statistics, but probably more than in recent history that we can measure, people opening up trading accounts with multiple different brokers, probably most of them Robin Hood. My question is, most of these people are looking at the initial resources and information that they get without knowing everything, and they're doing traditional trading because they don't understand how options trading works, calls, puts, etc. And they're going after the big names, big box ones that are normally known as like your slower investing. And I believe that they are investing, and then some of them just figuring out it's not for them and selling you know, with the $10 loss, whatever it be the case, you know, small trades causing dips in the market, which is my theory as to why what we're seeing right now and why most of us experienced traders aren't concerned. I wanted to know, one, if you agreed with my thoughts on that, and two, would you not use that for a temporary strategy to go after some of the common initial information that you would expect a rookie investor to uh, to jump into, watch the dips and get in cheap, for example, abnormal stocks that you normally wouldn't mess with. Uh, again, thank you for taking my call. I look forward to hearing the response. 
Okay, long question, so hopefully I can give you a short answer, though. So, yes, there are a lot of new traders in the market, and they are making a lot of classic mistakes, right, chasing returns, but they're also doing some new things like buying a lot of call options and, and playing the gamma hedge game, which is something hedge funds typically did. Now, the question is, do you front run it? Or do you front run a potential reversal? And you can, but it's not something we would do. Uh, it, it, that's a very complex, risky game. And it takes really understanding uh, the data and be basically being a speculator. We're investors. We're not speculators. So there's that. Now, do I think that's causing the dips, though? No, I don't. Um, I actually think that, these, that we're in the start of the 2000-2003 period. We're in the first inning of that. And as interest rates rise, as that impacts the valuations in the marketplace, you're going to have weak hands, and that's going to increase volatility in the names that these new investors are investing in, like the Teslas of the world. And when those stocks go down, what, they're, what are they going to do? They're going to try to figure out why. And they're going to quickly realize, they do a little research, that narrative over the long run does not drive stock prices. Right? Short term, the market is a voting mechanism. Long term, it's a weighing mechanism. And it weighs earnings, cash flow, real businesses. And so when suddenly the votes aren't going your way, you st typically investors step back and say, well, what's the real weight of this business? Is it overinflated and there's not much basis to it? Or is this a real good business with good cash flow based on current valuations? And they'll quickly sell because they're not, in the words of Wall Street Bet, diamond hands, right? They're going to hold forever. Well, you can... You can say that, right? HODL, in the words of the cryptocurrency and Bitcoin world. It's easy to say that when the market goes up or your stock goes up. It is extremely easy to have diamond hands or to HODL. It's extremely hard when things are falling 40, 50, 60%. And I think a lot of these names that are narrative driven, not business driven, are going to be down 90, 95% over the next three, five years. So I guess that was a long answer to a long question, but thank you for the call. Now it's Friday, and I'm filling in for Steve. So as usual, I will share brief highlights from the newest KPP Premium Newsletter. It's attributed to subscribers this afternoon, and it's packed with helpful information and insights. Now in the market conditions section, talk about that there was not much activity in economic numbers released this week, but we did have one that should be mentioned because it's a leading economic indicator. That is weekly unemployment claims. They fell to 712,000 from 754,000, which has been which had been the highest but were, were had been higher but were revised down. So you're seeing the jobs market improve a bit. Rates on all mortgages have been slowly climbing as of this week, the 30-year rate 
And that's going to be even higher next week now that we just had a 10 basis point surge in the 10-year. This is reflective of an economy that most folks feel is just starting to ascend. Now, the mortgage rate is generally tied to the yield on the 10-year treasury, like I said. And for stocks, cash in the system is always a catalyst for higher prices. But we have over a billion dollars in previous stimulus package funding that has not been spent. And now we have another $1.9 coming into the pipeline. So in that portfolio management section, we kind of break down the full week of data and what we're seeing in the market as a whole. So that's an interesting section. 88899 chart, 88992 Now, in summation, there is a lot of valuable information in the KP Premium newsletter every single week. It's easy for you to subscribe directly through investtalk.com. And after subscribing, you'll receive the full report each Friday directly to your inbox. If this information raised any questions in your mind, I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve at our KPP Financial Office in Irvine, California. You can call it 800-557 or send us, sorry, 800-557-5461 or send us a message through investtalk.com. Now let's grab another question. Hey, Stephen, Justin, I love the podcast. This is A-Town here in Georgia, and I have a question about the following symbol, looking at P like Paul, D, B like boy, C. Power Shares Optimum Yield is the name. And I uh, was looking to possibly take a position with this ETS. Don't miss a day. Love the podcast. Okay, this is a long name. Invesco Optimum Yield Div Diversifiers Commodity Strategy No K1, uh, which that's important, the K1, because there are a lot of especially energy names, massive limited partnerships that if you buy into, you get a K1 and it comes a tax situation. That's typically a problem. Now this is, this is interesting. So do they use some sort of, I'm just trying to understand the strategy here because I'm not seeing actual holdings Cash, it has some treasuries. I'm just trying to understand how they're executing this strategy. It's in an uptrend, and I like commodities, so that's solid. Expense ratio is 0.59%, not terribly high for this. Your yield isn't, there's no yield here, so I'm not sure where they're talking about optimum yield, but you're getting exposure, it looks like, to a broad basket of commodities, and it's in an uptrend. So, I'm not against it. Now, I do think the dollar could get a bit of a, a continuation of its counter-trend bounce here. And I think commodity space might be a little overheated. But it is a type of name that I would want to own in this environment as inflation is heating up, as commodity prices go up. So I like what you're looking at. I would like to understand how they're executing, how they're gaining exposure to commodities because I'm not seeing that readily. It looks a little, little more complicated than just owning futures, but maybe that's what it is. Uh, but I like what you're looking at, and I would need to understand that strategy a little bit more. Now, Steve and I have said many times that we appreciate our diverse audience, and in fact, we receive call, caller questions from around the world and across America. So let's take a question now. This time, we're going to New Hampshire. 
Hi guys, this is Jesse from New Hampshire. I wanted to get your thoughts on McCormick, MKC. I'm looking for an entry point. Great company. I think you guys might agree. And it's been on a downslope here for the past little over a month. So I wanted to know what your guys' thoughts were and what you might say is a good entry point for it. Thanks. Love the show. Bye. All right, looking at McCormick and Schmitz, and he's correct. This is a very good company long-term. It has been in a downtrend, though, since... When is this? August? As rates rise. And this is a good example. This would be a consumer staple. Right? They make seasonings, spices, herbs, sauces, etc. Sounds like a consumer staple to me. Yields 3.1%. And with higher interest rates, that typically is bad for certain sectors of the economy. Like utilities. Not, not the economy, but the market. Utilities. Consumer staples, REITs, tends to be a headwind. And so that's what you've seen here. Down 17.7% off its 52-week high. So that's why you're seeing that in a performance. But it is a very good company with consistent profitability. The problem is, even though it's come down 27%, it's still a bit expensive in my book. You know, our value is closer to $60 a share. Now it's at 86. So even though the profitability and return equity is right solid in that low to mid 20% range over the past decade, which is fantastic, but it's simply not cheap enough for me. Now, where would it be cheap enough? Like I said, our value is 60 bucks. It's got to get down. It's got to get closer to that. For me to get excited. Yeah, the 100 month moving average right now is at about 55. I could see that. You know, in a bear market, if interest rates rising, I could see it getting there. I like it on your watch list, but I'd be patient. Now that we're settled into the new year, I think it's worth taking a minute to make you aware of some of the benefits of working with Steve and I at KPP Financial. First off, we're in Irvine, California, which, if you don't know, is in Southern California, a little bit south of LA. Remind you that here on Invest Talk and at KPP Financial, we operate the philosophy of independent thinking and shared success, which means we provide unbiased guidance both on air and off, and we practice parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. Now, I encourage you to take advantage of our, our offer to provide a free portfolio review assessment via telephone, Skype, or Jive meetings. You can send us a message through investtalk.com, or you can call our KPP Financial offices in Irvine, California at 800-557-5461. You can speak with myself or Steve, and we can assess your situation, give you some pointers to improve it. We'd wanna, we want to help you. We would love to help you. Give me a call. There is good news for loyal InvestTalk listeners, their friends, and families. Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast. This free podcast is available for download anytime. Typically, each day and night, the InvestTalk call center receives more voicemail questions than Steve and Justin can fit into a live show format. So in the bonus program, caller questions will be played back from our voice bank and answered with brief, unbiased, and helpful responses. The first segment of the Rapid Fire Hour is hosted by Justin Klein, and Steve Beasley handles the second half. It's a fast-paced learning podcast for the average investor. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now 
at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Look for Rapid Fire Hour. Hey, Steve and Justin. First of all, thank you guys so much for your financial knowledge. It's been really helpful for me the past few months. I'm a recent college graduate looking in the job market. Not good, as we all know. But I have this nest egg of $400 in my portfolio that I'm looking to invest in. I was wondering what the best choices are, I guess, for me in my young position. Is it ETFs? Is it just individual stocks? I would appreciate some advice, and thank you so much. Well, my answer has changed throughout the years, and I think my answer still differs from Steve's. And Steve will say, buy ETFs. You get broad, broad diversification. It's simple, it's easy. You're a new investor. You're green. You should be learning. And I agree. I think learning is far more important right now than what you should invest in. But to me, the best learning experience will be actually putting some of that money to work. And with zero commissions, before it used to be six, seven dollars a trade on four hundred dollars. If you buy, make any trade, that's going to be one and a half percent or so of your total portfolio just to buy one position and then sell as the other side. So talking about three percent of your overall portfolio to buy and sell a position, way too high. Now commissions are free, kind of. We're talking about payment for order flow. That's a whole nother topic. But with such cheap costs, let's say that cheap cost to trade, I would be investing in individual companies that you know, that you understand, and start to do research. But once again, you have $400. You're young. You're just starting out. Worry less about putting that money to work and worry more about learning and whatever you feel is going to give you the most ability and interaction to help you learn to become a better investor. I would go about it that way because $400, if you lose all $400 in the grand scheme of things over the next 40, 50 years, it's not going to matter to you. What's going to matter most right now, what's going to pay off the most over the long term are lessons, things that you learn over time. And if you make a big mistake with $400, not a big deal. If you make a big mistake with $400,000 or $4 million, that is a big deal. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. So give me a call at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve or Justin. I just wanted to get your take on MedPace Holdings. Symbol is M as in Mary, E-D-P. I was looking at potentially picking some up for long-term hold. I want to see what you thought about it. And if you uh, thought it was a, a good company, I wanted to see if you thought a decent entry point would be. Thank you. Bye. We're looking at MedPace Holdings, about a $5.7 billion market cap, very little debt on its balance sheet. So I like that. 
very profitable, good cash flow, trailing 12 months, about $227 million in free cash flow, earned about $3.84 a share, expected this year up 14% in earnings to $4.36 and another 19% increase next year to $5.18. Return to equity over the past few years in the mid to high teens on average, I like that. The chart, strong, very consistent, staying above its 50 and 100-day moving average, so relative strength there is very good. Now, it's certainly not cheap, but with this is one of those names that you would expect to grow into that valuation. So I like it. Uh, you, you would have to pay up for this. Now, what they do is they provide outsourced clinical development services for biotech, pharmacy, and pharmaceutical and medical device companies. So they do testing, outsourced testing for uh, product development, it looks like. So that's a good business to be in, especially if you're good at it, you have scale. And I, I kind of like this. I would have it on my watch list. Technically, it looks fine. Could it pull back even more? Sure. Major, major support would be to me on the weekly chart, and that would be around the 100-week moving average at about $100 a share. It's at 160 now, but there's a lot of other support in between then. 120? I think 120. 120 is that area that I think there's very strong support, is reasonable value. I like this name. This is, this is uh, attractive to me, and any major dips, I would be picking it up. Our Friday podcast is almost complete, so let's fit in one more question, this time from Wisconsin. Hi, Steve or Justin. This is Tim calling from Wisconsin. Thanks again for all that you do. My question is in regards to oil prices. With the recent rise in commodities and inflation that's happening currently, I'm wondering if you think that oil prices are headed back to maybe $100 a barrel or somewhere in that neighborhood, similar to what we saw back in 2014 and 2018. And with that, I have a question with the ticker symbol BP. Do you think that BP is a, a good bet for the, for the long term slash oil prices heading toward former highs? I look forward to hearing your answer on the podcast. Thank you, guys. Bye. Well, the answer to where oil prices are going is, to me, it's higher. I don't know over what time frame it is. It's, it's hard to know. But the lack of investment in the space for a couple of reasons. One, ESG. A lot of funds are pulling money out of the oil and just carbon energy space. And that means that the industry relative to history is starved for capital or was. And then you have the negative prices in oil back in, what was it, April of last year? And so development for new supply fell off a cliff. Now, historically, that's not a big deal over the short term because those investments typically take years to play out. But in the age of shale, that lack of development catches up quick because the depletion in supply for those shale wells is a lot faster than your traditional wells. So if they're not developing it, that means supply can fall pretty fast. And that's what I think what you're going to see, and you're already starting to see it a bit here in 2021. I think we get over $100 a share. Now, 
BP, is BP the best? Well, BP has a lot of problems, right? The BP oil spill back in the day, they have a lot of debt. I think they've even pivoted to green energy. And so they're actually getting out of the oil industry. So it's not a name that I would be betting on. Uh, it will certainly go up if oil prices go up, but it's not a name that I would get excited about. I would look for other, uh, some other big major oil companies. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. We post a new program each weekday, shortly after the end of our live stream broadcast, which includes at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Get your free downloads anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And as always, investtalk.com. Independent thinking shares success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.